golf and rock and roll. Not logical, but it is fascinating. Playing down that big old fairway. Don't want no hackers to get in my way. The boys and me got a big NASA going before the drive. It's the Golf Insiders, giving you the inside scoop on all things golf. Now, here are your Golf Insiders on FM 96.9 The Game. Hello, Orlando. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, taking you home on the fairways of Ultimate I-4, in the house, Holly G. And uh, we are happy to be back, our 10th season of the Golf Insiders, and once again, um, doing a little bonus show tonight. Uh, normally, our regular show is Wednesday nights from 6 to 7, for you loyal listeners who follow us the last 10 years and uh, we've been doing a little dodgeball with uh, baseball the last couple of weeks and have been preempted in our regular time but uh, hopefully some of you listening in tonight will tune in at our regular time which is Wednesdays from 6 to 7 but we had quite a week last week at the Arnold Palmer Invitational Rory, Rory, Rory McElroy is back. What a an amazing uh, back nine on Sunday. Uh, for those of you that were out there, uh, it was like the old days with Tiger uh, coming down the stretch, making some key birdies and looking like he was perhaps uh, perhaps going to win the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Uh, of course, uh, ran into a bit of a... Uh, of a train wreck on 16 when he hit it out of bounds. But Rory put the pressure on. Five birdies coming down the stretch. A 64. It was quite a display. And the king would have been given the big thumbs up on the way Rory surged, including his birdie on 18 to seal the deal after Bryson DeChambeau had an eagle on 16, and uh, finished uh, with a brilliant 18-under. And I want to play his comments from the press center after his victory. Over the past 
sort of year with injuries and um, you know taking a little bit of time off at the end of last year to, to sort of get myself right coming into this year and um, you know all about all about work hard work is um, has finally paid off. I kept telling everyone, even when I was missing cuts and finishing 60, if it wasn't that far away. So um, just a couple little tweaks here and there, and um, you know it's, it's nice to be in this position again. And four questions. I know it's not false on you that your last PGA Tour win, uh, the Tour Championship, came on the same day that Mr. Palmer passed away. Yeah, someone told me that earlier, and um, it's a little ironic. And, September 2016, the last time I, I won a PJ Tour event, and obviously it was bittersweet because we lost an absolute legend and icon of the game. So, um, and for me to get my next one here is uh, it means a lot. You know, I've, I've had quite a connection with with Arnold Palmer um, over the past few years, and you know, I've been very fortunate to spend some time with him here. Uh, it was always so nice to me. I've got so many letters from him from wins and, and, and all sorts of stuff. And, uh, I wish he would have been at the top of the hill to shake my hand and take him off the 18th green there. But um, you know, hopefully he's, he's proud of me with the way I played that back nine and um, you know, tried, to, tried to be as aggressive as I could and try to take on shots when I needed to, just like he would have. So um, yeah, it's sort of come full circle since that day in September in 2016 and just proud to be sitting up here and you know have my name in my focus. Indeed a charge and a surge and a victory that Arnie certainly would have been a very proud to have seen and we we missed him uh, all last week but it was a celebration uh, the year before of course more of a of a remember, remembrance and sadness with Arnie's passing but this year certainly uh, a, a very upbeat theme out at the Arnold Palmer Invitational all, all week. And along with me in the media center was our one of our favorite golf insiders, Bob Herrick from ESPN.com, who joins me right now. Hi, Bob. So your thoughts on Rory's win Sunday? Well, it was a great timing, obviously, and um, uh, you know, it's had a lot. Of as good as it gets, I uh, uh Bob, we're having a little trouble hearing you. You're breaking up. Bob? you got to love live radio, especially when the boys are out working hard in, uh, in those media centers. Uh the way the tournament ended up was uh, really, if you were out there and you were amongst the surge, the, the chanting of tiger, 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 tiger was everywhere. And um, yet, still in the hunt was Bryson DeChambeau, put on an impressive final couple of holes, uh, just put lights out, Bryson did, and hats off to him. He hung in there, eagled the 16th and put the pressure on one stroke back, which uh, Roy said in the end, putting that birdie in on 18 was certainly the icing on the cake that he needed. Bob, are you back with us? Yeah, sorry about that. All right, no worries. So I was asking you your thoughts on Rory's win. Right, and I, you know, I was just saying that, um, you know, I thought it was terrific the way he, you know, shot 64 in the last round, which is a you know, 
it's just no easy task to do out there. The way he played the last, the, the final nine holes, you know, he was kind of just, uh, uh, you know, treading water there for four or five holes at the beginning of the round, and then he really got it going. And um, you know, a lot of a lot of big names up there. Obviously, Tiger was in the mix for a while, and uh, you know, Justin Rose has been playing great, and Henrik Stenson, and um, you know, he hadn't won in so long, and uh, uh, obviously putted beautifully. Got a great putting tip from Brad Faxon earlier in the week, and, and it seemed to free him up. And all of a sudden, there he was, uh, uh, you know, pulling it off. It was, um, uh, you know, it was obviously a great win for him and for the tournament. I thought what was interesting about that is I think a lot of people thought that what, you know, Brad probably did was give him some, you know, technical coaching on his putting. It was actually the opposite. He basically, you know, told him to just sort of stop thinking. And, um, you know, much like Tiger, who's gone back to his father's advice about, you know, visualizing the picture, uh, Rory seemed to have done something very similar. Yeah, it's a great point. I mean, he, um, he, uh, I think there were some technical, um, thoughts that were clouding his, his, uh, ability to putt well. You know, he just had been struggling with it so much. And, and really, you know, it is the, the only, you know, it's, it's, it's the main weakness in his game if there is one. You know, when he putts just decently, he's usually in there. Uh, and when he putts as well as he did last week, he's going to be hard to beat anytime. And uh, you know, it just took a little bit of a freeing up of the of the mind a little bit to get it to uh, to get him to um, you know find some success. And now you just kind of hope he can build on that and keep that in mind because because usually when you do start missing him, you start tinkering or you know what have you. And sometimes it's just better to get simple, and that's exactly what he did. And um, and uh, look at what we saw. I mean, I think he had a hundred putts for the week. It was the lowest of his career. And um, you know, just just because he talk, had a talk and and didn't really make any major changes fundamentally, just in his thinking. Absolutely, he went eight under in thirteen holes, and not sure we saw the likes of that Rory McIlroy since uh, Quail Hollow, or perhaps uh, Kiowa. But uh, as we've always known, Rory, with the strength of his driver, which he exhibited on. Hole 16 when he bombed at 373 and had sand wedge into the par five. Uh, if his putting is on, he is dangerous. Yeah, and being able to hit it that far too uh, under duress is a huge um, advantage. Um, and that is a you know one of the big things he has going for him is is not only um, you know is is he long, uh, but he's fearless. You know, he, he doesn't mind taking that on. He's You, you don't see him, you know, he, he hits a lot of fairways. He, he'll hit a lot of drivers at places where other players won't. And, um, you know, it's because he has such confidence in it. And, uh, you know, that's uh, that's, a, that's a great attribute to have because it's, such, you know, to have a sand wedge into, into a par five, obviously now that hole is, is, is a short par five. But still, you know, as uh, we saw with Tiger, we saw plenty of other guys um, miss that fairway. It's it's not automatic. Speaking of that, Tiger, we know it had three misses to the right on that hole. Thursday, Friday, Saturday had two remarkable shots on uh, Friday and Saturday and, and hit the green. But he 
admitted and was self-critical you know, that he didn't commit to the shot on the 16th tee. And what was interesting about that is he said he had three options, one that he could have bombed it over uh, the bunker with driver, uh, could have shaped it down the left-hand side with driver, which is what he was trying to do when he hit it OB, or, you know, hit a, a three-wood just simple straight down the fairway. And he pointed out that it's not that long a hole. I'm wondering what, you know, your thoughts are. Does this come from, you know, lack of play when you, you know, somebody like the level of Tiger is questioning himself uh, on a hole like 16? And then it proved to be that perhaps the three would have, would have been the, the better shot. I think it's a combination of lack of play and just lack of trust. You know, it's just not there yet. Um, uh, you know, a few weeks ago at the Honda, when he got, got right up there after the 14th hole on Sunday, now it was, he was still three or four behind at the time. But, you know, he was thinking with four holes to go, he's in, he's in the mix, and, and he got up on 15, the par three, and he hit in the water. And, you know, it wasn't a terrible shot by any means, but he, he, he just didn't, he didn't pull it off. And, and you just wonder if it's, you know, you get in that position and you haven't been there for a while, and um, he's, you know, he's, he's struggling maybe with the moment a little bit. Uh, the week before, you know, obviously he made the long birdie putt on, on the 17th to give himself a chance, but throughout that day he wasn't able to hit it close enough uh, or, or get the putts to drop that he needed, uh, you know, to, to get up in the lead. And, you know, maybe that's just something that needs a little bit more time. Uh, the driver issues uh, are, are, are things that plagued him before. It's maybe the one club that has yet to come back consistently now he had a lot of good drives here these last few weeks uh, with the driver. Um, you know that one stands out because he hit it OB. Uh, but uh, you know, like earlier in the round on the 12th hole, he he hit a really good drive to to help him set up a birdie. Um, you know he um, he had he has had other instances of good play with the driver, but when he really really needed it, he, he as he said he he wasn't committed and. Uh, I too wonder why not just take out that three wood a little bit more often, and and uh, you know we saw it. Now it didn't happen on Sunday, but on Friday and Saturday, he hit three wood off the tee on on uh, on on uh, 18, and it was like kind of a half stinger shot that he just drilled down the left side over 300 yards. I mean that thing will work every single time, you know. Uh, forget the driver sometimes, but. Uh, I think he's going to be stubborn with that club, and, and he's going to want to make sure that, he, obviously, in a couple of weeks, that, he, that, that uh, it's going to be part of his arsenal. Absolutely. Well, it's certainly, um, as always, looking like a very compelling Masters, as we have so many guys on top of their game. Uh, and, of course, now Tiger, the leading favorite to win at Augusta. The last time I checked the sports book, how about that? Well, that shows you the power of, of, of Tiger and, and, and his popularity more than anything. Um, you know, it just shows that people, people want to bet on him. It doesn't necessarily suggest sound thinking. <laughs> um, you know, and the, and the, uh, the, the betting people, the, the, you know, the sports books are lowering those odds because they've had so much action on him. And uh, he, uh, you know, they, 
they're they're vulnerable for those for that time earlier in the year when he was fifty to one or eighty to one or even last fall when he was a hundred to one, and somebody put money on him or people did put money on him and and the and they're thinking this is easy money for the house, but you know obviously if he would have come through now now all of a sudden they have to pay out and so they lower those odds based on that. Um, you know I think you know if you just looked at it from a, a objective standpoint without that involved i don't think he could be the favorite you know um i'm not sure he should be in our top 10 but the fact is is he's shown such good play uh and 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 says in good health uh that he's made us take notice and given the fact that he's had such good success there in the past doesn't need to have a lot of practice around Augusta National to be able to play well, I think it all feeds into that notion that we think he can, you know, be a factor there. And I, and I don't think anybody would be surprised if he was. Well, he's definitely trending in the right direction, Bob. No doubt about that. Uh, before, right. we let, before we let you go, we know the uh, match play championship is uh, now in the second round. Some interesting things going on out there today, including Phil coming back from four down to uh, to win his match on the 18th, looks like DJ is going to be out of it because he's 0-2 in his uh, first two rounds. Who are you picking for Sunday to win the match play, Bob? I went with Jordan Spieth before the week, or, you know, before the tournament began, just because I think he's, he's got to be feeling a little bit of angst about the way his year's gone, and there's going to be some motivation. And he's looking good so far. He's obviously 2-0 and. and He's going to play Patrick Reed tomorrow for the right to advance, uh, you know, to the top 16. So um, that's going know, to be, I hard. think, the match of the tournament. Yeah, it sure will. It's a, it's a great one, and um, you know, uh, I think it. Um, you need some good ones on Friday. Obviously, there's going to be some ones that don't matter, but there's going to be a bunch that help determine who gets who moves on, and um, that that's going to be the top one and. Uh, you know, frankly, it's a shame that that match couldn't wait till later. Um, but um, for the preliminaries, it's a great one. And I love the new format. And it's our version of March Madness, the Dell Match Play World Golf Championship. Thanks, Bob. Harry from ESPN.com, as always, my friend. You're listening to the Golf you. Insiders, 96.9 The Game. More golf talk coming up. Stay with us. We're back, the Gulf Insiders, taking you home on the fairways of I-4 in the house, Holly G, on a special bonus night of the Gulf Insiders. Please tune in next week when we'll be on our regular schedule of Wednesday nights from 6 to 7. That's 6 to 7, celebrating our 10th anniversary. It was It's great to be back. A fantastic week last week at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Nothing better than... Uh, all of Orlando coming out to celebrate the API. And um, I'm very, very happy to have our next guest. He is recently transplanted to Orlando and is one of the game's greatest and most respected voices for more than 30 years Jaime Diaz has covered the game and its personalities 
He was the former editor-in-chief at Golf World and senior writer for Golf Digest, a recipient of the PGA of America's Lifetime Achievement Award in 2012, and now a full-time Golf Channel contributor and living here in Orlando. Jaime Diaz, welcome to the Golf Insiders. Good to speak with you, my friend. Nice to speak with you, Holly. Thanks for the nice introduction. So how you like in Orlando so far? Well, I've always liked Orlando. And, uh, yeah, as far I, you know, I've still got a place in North Carolina with my wife up here, but I, I'm, I'm sort of commuting, but spending, I'd say, 80% or 90% of my time in Orlando. And, uh, you know, it's, it's diverse. It's got a lot of energy. Uh, it's obviously a golf center. And I'm spending most of my time at Golf Channel just trying to learn, you know, the business and, and the culture and, and get half decent at this. So it's been a lot of fun, but uh, it's been mostly work. Well, I know your side, uh, sidekick, Tim Roosevelt, Rosie, as we love to call him, uh, and, and Golf Channel's insider. Uh, the two of you are now uh, full-time with the Golf Channel, and uh, we, we love the Golf Channel being, being homegrown right here in Central yeah, Florida. Yeah, of course. No, it's an amazing company. And I actually, I sit right next to Tim. We're in a little pod with uh, Matt Adams. So it's like old times as far as uh, being in the press room and, you know, having that sort of exchange. Well, speaking of old times, doesn't it feel like old times? I know it did for me as I was out walking the golf course on Sunday, listening to those roars of Tiger, Tiger, Tiger. Uh, And as somebody who's covered Tiger Woods for a long time, really remarkable what has happened here uh, in just, you know, five tournaments is almost winning at Valspar, uh, coming close except for a wayward tee shot on 16. Um, you know, it's it's just astounding what he's doing. Well, yeah, the perspective on it is so, uh, as you say, startling when you consider just, you know, in the last year and even less how honestly hopeless it looked for him to have a at least a fruitful future in golf. You know, I think people were... Would have been happy with kind of a graceful um, sort of slow separation from competition and now it looks like he's capable of having a second you know kind of almost a second career a second prime because physically which was the big issue in terms of the way he looked the last couple of years that looks without being premature i hope uh, resolved i mean i know he, you know there's a back fusion which is a pretty extensive and serious surgery but if it comes out right, apparently, and I've talked to a couple of guys who've had similar operations, uh, Lee Trevino and Lanny Watkins and Ratif Goosen, and the pain is gone. And you might lose a little flexibility, but the place where it occurred with Tiger, it, it just uh, is minimal as far as the reduction of mobility. So, you know, physically he looks amazingly healthy and young again, and as we all know, the speed is there and the grace is there and the variety of shots and the skill is back. Uh, I just think the issue is, you know, is his head the same as it used to be in terms of, you know, especially Sunday afternoons when he's uh, in contention or leading. He used to be, you know, Mr. Closeout, uh, you know, uh, almost uh, uncannily so. And, you know, he, he's progressing in that regard. And he, he may return to that level, but I think that's the biggest question going forward. Well, speaking of uh, of, of of Sundays and Tigers in the hunt, Let's listen to Rory's comments about uh, the the noise factor out on the golf course Sunday afternoon on the back nine, real quick. Um, 
So I headed to the Crockway Green on 11. Tiger just made birdie on 13. And on his way from 13 green to 14 tee, uh, a Tiger chant started. Uh, and then people around the green on 11 retaliated with a Rory chant. wasn't quite as loud. Um, but I had to back off my putt on 11. So I knew at that point he, you know, he, he was making a bit of a run. I guess he got the five under for the day. At that point, maybe he was the five under. Um, so I, I knew what was going on. Uh, but then, yeah, I mean, not birdie in the par 5-12, um, but then coming back with the birdie on 13 was huge. So, um, you know, at, at that point, it still looked as if I was, you know, in a tussle with Bryson and Henrik and Justin. Um, and then I just uh, I sort of caught fire those, those next few holes. He caught fire. Your, your thoughts on Rory, uh, you know, interestingly, had been... Uh, since September of 2016 when he won the Tour Championship and the FedEx Cup, and yet that seemed like a distant past to many of us and many, you know, in the media. Uh, your your thoughts on, on his win on Sunday? Well, it was much needed uh, because Rory is an incredible talent, and honestly it looked like he was not, you know, uh, sort of taking advantage of all his, all his gifts the last couple of years. Obviously, there was an injury, uh, but whereas you know guys like Justin Thomas and, and Dustin Johnson uh, were were improving dramatically parts of their games, it, it didn't look like Rory. It looked like he was almost stagnating a little. And obviously, the putter was a big issue. Um, but you know, it had it was leaking into the rest of his game. I think probably just from the discouragement of, of not capitalizing when he would hit it close or maybe three putt and and make an unnecessary bogey, and I think that can be something that's hard to overcome mentally. Uh, but when he had that conversation with Brad Faxon, who I, which I think was really, you know, from afar, I've known Brad, uh, and he's a wonderful philosopher about the game, and, and he's an incredibly gifted putter. And I think he just knows that part of the game as well as anybody, much like Ben Crenshaw. And so much of it is mental, and so much of it is feel, and so much of it is, you know, vision and and tempo and rhythm and all these sort of soft things that aren't real technical. But, and some guys can express that in a way that connects with players. And, and he connected with Rory on that. And, and Rory is himself such a gifted athlete that if he just can, you know, get rid of some of the technical things, it probably helps him. Uh, certainly in his long game, that's always the goal. You practice a lot uh, and think a lot, a lot of things. But then when you get on the course, you want it to just be, you know, target and shape the shot and, and do those things that, you know, your your skills and your talent allows you to do better than others. And I think Brad got him to connect to putt, putting that way, and I've never seen Rory putt better than that. That that just changes the whole script going to the going to Augusta and going forward in terms of who's really going to be the best player in the world. I mean, Rory can putt like that. To me, you know, we were looking at a Rory era, you know, in 2014, 2015, and it stopped. Um because of Jason Day, because of Jordan Spieth, but also because Rory stopped playing as well. And, you know, if he can pick it up with, with the improvement of, with the putter, to me, he's, he's still the most gifted player out there. And it just changes, you know, the dynamic going forward as far as who who really is uh, the one most likely to end up number one. Well, we're getting a treat this week and weekend to watch the top, 64 players in the world with our version of March Madness and the Dell uh, WGC match play tournament. Uh, I just love match play. We know there's 
some of the players that just eat, sleep, and drink it. Patrick Reed, we know he loves that from President's Cup and Ryder's Cup. Ian Poulter bringing back his putter from Medina. You know, if you don't think these guys are a little bit superstitious or, you know, dig deep when they when they want to turn on that magic, this is this is really fun. Your thoughts on the new format, uh, you know, now where they play in groups and it's two out of three and what we should expect coming into the weekend. I like the round robin myself. I just think, you know, 18 holes, anybody, there really are no upsets at this level, in my opinion, at that match play. I mean, there's certainly favorites, but it's never a shock. I mean, yesterday Dustin lost and Rory lost, and they and they lost pretty pretty badly. Uh, so, you know, it just happens. Uh, when, when, a, when a top tour player, who's certainly in the top 64 in the world, plays well, and I don't care if it's the one or two player, doesn't play well, number 64 is going to win. And, you know, that's different about golf than it is about other sports. Uh, other sports, the top seeds tend to win more often. Golf's just that crazy, you know, mix of all kinds of variables that makes it very unpredictable. But, um, you know, I love what's happening. Uh, you see Reed and Speed are going to play tomorrow to see advances. And those two guys, uh, you know, have a history and a good one and as, as partners, but they also have been opponents in, in playoffs and no one's feisty than Patrick, and, and really no one needs, I don't think, a, a good result from this tournament more than Jordan. So that that's the match I'm watching tomorrow with the most interest, I guess. And, um, yeah, I love match play, too. Match play is uh, it's personal, you know. I mean, I, the guys hold it in as far as what they're showing outwardly, but inside it's, it's really a different level of intensity, and uh, there's a little more at stake. There's, a per, there's sort of this personal sense of you know i'm better than you and you know that sports comes down to that all the time but in in metal play you don't necessarily feel that because you know 72 holes is a long time and and it it, there's another one the next week but match play it's you know the guy's right in front of you and you don't that doesn't happen that often and so it matters and uh i think people pick up on that intensity that's why the Ryder cup and the solheim cup have become such you know fan favorite events and it's good to see match play at the top level uh at least occasionally in in on the pga tour couldn't agree more well jaime appreciate so much spending a few minutes with you i hope you'll come back and visit us on the golf insiders again and uh, welcome to orlando and congratulations on the new job jaime diaz now uh, a key contributor to the golf channel thanks so much for spending some time with us Thank you, Holly. Anytime. Take, Take care. care. You're listening to the Golf Insiders 96.9 The Game. Stay with us. More golf talk coming up. We're back. The Golf Insiders. Taking you home on the fairways of I-4 in the house, Holly G. On a special bonus night of the Golf Insiders. Please tune in next week when we'll be on our regular schedule of Wednesday nights from 6 to 7. That's 6 to 7, celebrating our 10th anniversary. It was It's great to be back. A fantastic week last week at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Nothing better than uh, all of Orlando coming out to celebrate the API, and um, I'm very, very happy to have our next guest 
He is recently transplanted to Orlando and is one of the game's greatest and most respected voices for more than 30 years. Jaime Diaz has covered the game and its personalities. He was the former editor-in-chief at Golf World and senior writer for Golf Digest, a recipient of the PGA of America's Lifetime Achievement Award in 2012, and now a full-time Golf Channel contributor and living here in Orlando. Jaime Diaz, welcome to the Golf Insiders. Good to speak with you, my friend. Nice to speak with you, Holly. Thanks for the nice introduction. So how you like in Orlando so far? Well, I've always liked Orlando. And, uh, yeah, as far I, you know, I've still got a place in North Carolina with my wife up here, but I, I'm, I'm sort of commuting, but spending, I'd say, 80% or 90% of my time in Orlando. And, uh, you know, it's, it's diverse. It's got a lot of energy. Uh, it's obviously a golf center. And I'm spending most of my time at Golf Channel just trying to learn, you know, the business and, and the culture and, and get half decent at this. So it's been a lot of fun, but uh, it's been mostly work. Well, I know your side, uh, sidekick, Tim Roosevelt, Rosie, as we love to call him, uh, and, and Golf Channel's insider. Uh, the two of you are now uh, full-time with the Golf Channel, and uh, we, we love the Golf Channel being, being homegrown right here in Central yeah, Florida. Yeah, of course. No, it's an amazing company. And I actually, I sit right next to Tim. We're in a little pod with uh, Matt Adams. So it's like old times as far as uh, being in the press room and, you know, having that sort of exchange. Well, speaking of old times, doesn't it feel like old times? I know it did for me as I was out walking the golf course on Sunday, listening to those roars of Tiger, Tiger, Tiger. Uh, And as somebody who's covered Tiger Woods for a long time, really remarkable what has happened here uh, in just, you know, five tournaments is almost winning at Valspar, uh, coming close except for a wayward tee shot on 16. Um, you know, it's it's just astounding what he's doing. Well, yeah, the perspective on it is so, uh, as you say, startling when you consider just, you know, in the last year and even less how honestly hopeless it looked for him to have a at least a fruitful future in golf. You know, I think people were would have been happy with kind of a graceful um, sort of slow separation from competition. And now it looks like he's capable of having a second, you know, kind of almost a second career, a second prime. Because physically, which was the big issue in terms of the way he looked the last couple of years, that looks, without being premature, I hope, uh, resolved. I mean, I know, you know, there's a back fusion, which is a pretty extensive and serious surgery, but... If it comes out right, apparently, and I've talked to a couple of guys who've had similar operations, uh, Lee Trevino and Lanny Watkins and Ratip Goosen, and the pain is gone. And you might lose a little flexibility, but the place where it occurred with Tiger, it, it just uh, is minimal as far as the reduction of mobility. So, you know, physically he looks amazingly healthy and young again, and as we all know, the speed is there and the grace is there and the variety of shots and the skill is back. Uh, I just think the issue is, you know, is his head the same as it used to be in terms of, you know, especially Sunday afternoons when he's uh, in contention or leading. He used to be, you know, Mr. Closeout, uh, you know, uh, almost uh, uncannily so. And, you know, he's 
progressing in that regard, and he, he may return to that level, but I think that's the biggest question going forward. Well, speaking of, uh, of, of, of Sundays and Tigers in the Hunt, let's listen to Rory's comments about uh, the, the noise factor out on the golf course Sunday afternoon on the back nine real quick. Um, so I headed to the Blackberry Green on 11. Tiger just made 30 on 13. And on, on his way from 13 green to 14 tee, uh, a Tiger chant started. Uh, and then people around the green on 11 were probably in with a Rory chant. It wasn't quite as loud. Um, but I had to back off my pot on 11. So I knew at that point he, you know, he, he was making a bit of a run. I guess he got to 500 for the day at that point, maybe. He was um, so I, I knew what was going on. Uh, but then, yeah, I mean, not birdie in the par 512, um, but then coming back with the birdie on 13 was huge. So, um, you know, at, at that point, it still looked as if I was, you know, in a tussle with Bryson and Henrik and Justin. Um, and then I just uh, sort of caught fire those, those next few holes. He caught fire. Your your thoughts on Rory, uh, you know, interestingly, it had been uh, since September of 2016 when he won the Tour Championship and the FedEx Cup, and yet that seemed like a distant past to many of us and many, you know, in the media. Uh, your your thoughts on, on his win on Sunday? Well, it was much needed uh, because Rory is an incredible talent, and honestly, it looked like he was not, you know, uh, sort of taking advantage of all, his, of all his gifts the last couple of years. Obviously, there was an injury, uh, but... Whereas, you know, guys like Justin Thomas and, and Dustin Johnson uh, were, were improving dramatically parts of their games, it, it, it didn't look like Rory, it looked like he was almost stagnating a little. And obviously the putter was a big issue. Um, but, you know, it, had, it, it was leaking into the rest of his game, I think probably just from the discouragement of, of not capitalizing when he would hit it close or maybe three putt and, and make an unnecessary bogey. And I think that can be something that's hard to overcome mentally. Uh, but when he had that conversation with Brad Faxon, who I, which I think was really, you know, from afar, I, I've known Brad, uh, and he's a wonderful philosopher about the game, and, and he's an incredibly gifted putter. And I think he just knows that part of the game as well as anybody, much like Ben Crenshaw. And so much of it is mental, and so much of it is feel, and so much of it is, you know, vision and, and tempo and rhythm and all these sort of soft things that aren't real technical but and some guys can express that in a way that connects with players, and, and he connected with Rory on that. And and Rory is himself such a gifted athlete that if he just can you know get rid of some of the technical things, it probably helps him. Uh, certainly in his long game, that's always the goal. You practice a lot uh, and think a lot, a lot of things, but then when you get on the course, you want it to just be you know target and shape the shot and and do those things that you know your your skills and your talent allows you to do better than others. And I think Brad got him to connect the putting that way, and I've never seen Rory putt better than that. That that just changes the whole script going to the going to Augusta and going forward in terms of who's really going to be the best player in the world. I mean, if Rory can putt like that, to me, you know, we were looking at a Rory era, you know, in 2014, 2015, and it stopped um, because of Jason Day, because of Jordan Spieth, but also because Rory stopped playing as well, and you know. If he can pick it up with, with the improvement of, with the putter, to me, he's, he's still the most gifted player out there. And it just changes, you know, the dynamic going forward as far as who who really is uh, the one most likely to end up number one. Well, 
we're getting a treat this week and weekend to watch the top 64 players in the world with our version of March Madness and the Dell uh, WGC Match Play Tournament. Uh, I just love match play. We know they're some of the players that just eat, sleep, and drink it. Patrick Reed, we know he loves that from President's Cup and Ryder's Cup. Ian Poulter bringing back his putter from Medina. You know, if you don't think these guys are a little bit superstitious or, you know, dig deep when they when they want to turn on that magic, this is this is really fun. Your thoughts on the new format, uh, you know, now where they play in groups and it's two out of three, and what we should expect coming into the weekend. I like the round robin myself. I just think, you know, 18 holes, anybody, there really are no upsets at this level, in my opinion, at that match play. I mean, there's certainly favorites, but it's never a shock. I mean, yesterday Dustin lost and Rory lost, and they and they lost pretty pretty badly. Uh, so, you know, it just happens. Uh, when, when, a, when a top tour player, who's certainly in the top 64 in the world, plays well, and I don't care if it's the one or two player, doesn't play well, number 64 is going to win and you know that's different about golf than it is about other sports uh other sports the top seeds tend to win more often golf's just that crazy you know mix of all kinds of variables that makes it very unpredictable but um you know i love what's happening uh you see reed and speed they're going to play tomorrow to see advances and those two guys uh you know have a history and a good one and as as partners but they also have been opponents in, in playoffs and no one's feisty than Patrick, and, and really no one needs, I don't think, a, a good result from this tournament more than Jordan. So that that's the match I'm watching tomorrow with the most interest, I guess. And, um, yeah, I love match play, too. Match play is uh, it's personal, you know. I mean, I, the guys hold it in as far as what they're showing outwardly, but inside it's, it's really a different level of intensity, and uh, there's a little more at stake. There's, a per, there's sort of this personal sense of you know i'm better than you and you know that sports comes down to that all the time but in in metal play you don't necessarily feel that because you know 72 holes is a long time and and it it, there's another one the next week but match play it's you know the guy's right in front of you and you don't that doesn't happen that often and so it matters and uh i think people pick up on that intensity that's why the Ryder cup and the solheim cup have become such you know fan favorite events and it's good to see match play at the top level uh at least occasionally in in on the pga tour couldn't agree more well Jaime, appreciate so much spending a few minutes with you i hope you'll come back and visit us on the golf insiders again and uh welcome to orlando and congratulations on the new job Jaime diaz now uh, a key contributor to the golf channel thanks so much for spending some time with us Thank you, Holly. Anytime. Take, Take care. care. You're listening to the Golf Insiders 96.9 The Game. Stay with us. More golf talk coming up. We're back. The Golf Insiders. In the house, Holly G. Special bonus show tonight. Tune in next week, Wednesdays, 6 to 7, when we'll be in our regular time slot celebrating our 10th anniversary. And we had a great time out at the Arnold Palmer Invitational last week. Such a great event for the 
whole city and the community as well as all the uh, fantastic uh, charity events that go on and, of course, um, all the wonderful benefits to the Arnold Palmer Hospital and Arnie's Army and a really, really special guest coming up next. She's barely had probably time to even take a breath. Marcy Doyle, the Chief Operating Officer for the Arnold Palmer Invitational, joining us now. Hi, Marcy. Hi, Holly. Good evening. How are you? I'm doing great. Congratulations on a fantastic week. Uh, Crowds were, I think, off the charts, at least from what I could tell from covering this event for many years. And uh, give us a little update, a little after-action report, if you will. It was. It was a pretty fantastic week that we could not have scripted better between the perfect weather, the incredible field, um, all the way up until Sunday, all the excitement, and the golf course literally being the best that it ever has, and some amazing partners that and vendors that were out there that just made it so incredibly um positive experience for those that were on site because we did we had record crowds and yet we had nothing but positive feedback on it so you know everything from the the shuttles and the concessions and everything just ran like clockwork and everyone's out there having a great time following the great golfers so and of course then it doesn't hurt that we have a fantastic champion in Rory McIlroy so the good old Irishman during uh, St. Patty's Day weekend, one here at uh, Bay Hill. So we're, we're really excited to have him on board. Isn't that the truth? You know, sometimes you, you just can't script these things. And um, it, more times than I, I, I remember that, you know, things happen that are very serendipitous in golf. And yes. um, as has been mentioned, Rory won his last tournament, which was the Tour Championship on September 25th in 2016, which was the eve of Arnie's passing, and um, how incredible was that? I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, just the first time they they pulled that stat out on Sunday because you know he was looking like he could be one of the winners there on Sunday as it started coming around, and and they pulled out that stat, and I literally got chills. I mean, I think everyone did. We were talking about it with the NBC folks and and the Palmer family and the such, and we just. We got killed. It was amazing. And then on top of it, Rory's wife has the same birthday as Mr. Palmer, September 10th. So just a- amazing story all the way around, truly. Well, uh, the, the, the um, title of the tournament this year was The Legacy Lives On. And uh, certainly I think uh, the king would have had the, the big smile on his face and a, and a huge thumbs up with the way Rory surged that back nine and uh, sealed it with a fantastic, uh, you know, crowd-jumping ju- birdie with the way that curled in to the in the 18th hole. It was, it was just, you know, fantastic. I am positive of that, Holly. You're exactly right. He would have loved it. You know, we had a wonderful tribute year last year, and now this year it was really, it was back to business. It was let's make this golf event better than ever and make it this huge celebration and a good time and he would have loved every bit of it and you know he and Rory became quite good friends there um, the last few years that Mr. Palmer was here and Rory has made a, an incredible commitment I mean he already in the locker room after he won made the comment he goes of course I'm here next year and I swear I'm here for life so you know it's, it's quite a bold statement and it, it's not just about um, the course, although that's certainly part of it, or the tournament, and that's certainly part of it. But it's it's about his relationship and ca- helping to carry on Mr. Palmer's legacy into the future for many, many years to come. 
Yeah, and, you know, I think you were talking about the golf course. It was very interesting because, you know, several of the players, in particular Henrik Stenson, was saying that it really felt like a major out there in terms of the greens and how quick they were. And, uh, you know, that these, these guys were, you know, playing it like a major and, um, you know, not wanting to give away the tournament, especially on Sunday. And with Tiger looking like he might win, there were so many scenarios going on. Yes, it was. It was. There were so many guys that kept looking like they could be pushing to the front. I mean, DeChambeau, he had. And, um, wow, they played an incredible piece about him and his feelings about Mr. Palmer as well. And, you know, he's a young kid. And he got choked up just talking about Mr. Palmer and what he stood for and it, and how much further it goes way beyond golf. So between he, Ricky Fowler, being on that board as well and the way he has represented Mr. Palmer and all the things he's done with um, not only with charity but with Puma and, and being able to raise money. And the just, shoes. Just we love the shoes. Palmer. Aren't the shoes great? Oh, my gosh, the stuff that he has done. And, and he's so low-key. He wants it to just be – natural and that was so mr palmer in that he doesn't want it to be fanfare he doesn't want to do media he just wants to do it because it's the right thing to do and it just it's so palmer-esque i mean it really is and then rory is that same way you know they just these guys that just have taken this persona on and saying this is what we're supposed to be doing for this game for this tournament for um for the greater good so it's pretty amazing we're talking to Marcy Doyle, the Chief Operating Officer for the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Well, speaking of getting choked up, I have to say I got choked up when I saw the new MasterCard commercial with that adorable mm. junior golfer, Chloe. Um, I'm not sure what age she is. Is she about 10? Yep, 10? yep. She's 10, 10 or 11. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> well, that was the age I met Arnold Palmer. And um, I'll tell you what, it was at the U.S. Open in Rochester, New York, and uh, it really, you know, it changed my life. I I felt like I had met Santa Claus, and uh, you know, the the rest is it. the rest Except is he was real. the rest is history. But I just thought that was <laughs> such a, a wonderful commercial, and of course, Annika, another player who was so close to to Arnie, and um, just so many things that are carrying the torch forward. Well, and I got to say that I have to give props to Mastercard. They have done such a wonderful job in our partnership in also capturing, um, you know, just the overall essence of not only Mr. Palmer, but what he stands for even continuing through the game and beyond. And it's, it's not just about, it's so much more than golf. It's about um, doing the right thing and being good to others. That's so much of what he stood for and his legacy still does, which is giving back, doing more. How do we make things better for others? And, and that just, you know, it just, captures in in what mastercard has done not only in their advertising which I, they did a phenomenal job but in other ways you know they were the ones that dedicated that statue they came to us and said we want to do something what can we do and so we came up with the statue and they said that's exactly we just we want to do something special that helps to you know create something permanent um, on behalf of mr palmer so they've been incredible partners throughout the whole thing well we were so lucky that arnie decided to make his second home orlando uh just yes, fill, fill us absolutely. in and give us a little update on what's happening with arnie's army hmm. well we have a uh, phenomenal foundation this is now our second year from a tournament perspective and you know the arnold palmer invitational is certainly the 
main hub of the foundation, but there have been a number of other things that we're putting into place. Um, the environment and community are very important, and the Winnie Palmer Nature Reserve that's up in Latrobe, Pennsylvania, we're now looking at other locations, one of them even being here at Bay Hill, um, to to create a second reserve. And it's funny that that reserve was created up in Latrobe, Pennsylvania, because they were going to build a Walmart on that wonderful piece of land. And Winnie Palmer said, no, 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 we're not doing that. And uh, it's now an incredible um, program where kids have um, outings and learn much more about the environment and the outdoors and the such. So we're looking to create that here in Orlando. We have held um, four Arnie's marches around the country. If you recall, during tournament, we did that. This is our seventh year of our Arnie's march. But we expanded it out to other PGA Tour events so that those tournaments can raise money for it goes through Arnie's Army, but it goes to their local hospitals to support cancer research as well in their communities. So we've expanded with that. Um, we have the Latrobe Classic that we hold every year. We have the Arnold Palmer Cup that actually has expanded this year. I don't know if you heard that announcement during tournament week, but that is the Ryder Cup of college golf. And we've expanded it to include women as well as to include the rest of the world. It used to just be Europe. So Europe versus USA. Now it's the rest of the world. So it's, um, you know, again, that was one of Mr. Palmer's visions, always helping those juniors and college kids that are wanting to, you know, play and, and really show themselves and showcase themselves um, in the golf industry. And, and it's really about not just them being a good golfer and a strong golfer. It's about teaching them. Um, the ways that that how you can give back in the industry as well as do more for others and give back to the fans and teaching them at an early age the importance of doing that. So it's a pretty pretty great program. So we continue to to build upon um, Arnie's Army and making sure that we're representing him proudly. Well, um, you know, that's what we all love about the game of golf. Uh, it's all about giving back and uh, for those of us that are in this business as a career, we wake up every mm. day just saying we are so lucky and um, also so lucky to all the fans that come out and support support these tournaments throughout the year. Absolutely. Marcy, Absolutely. thank you. Thank you so much, and congratulations, Marcy Doyle, the COO of the Arnold Palmer Thanks. Invitational, and we look forward to next year. Thanks, Holly. We do. All right. Off. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks, Marcy. You're listening to the Golf Insiders 96.9 The Game. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Back, the Golf Insiders. Wrapping up an hour of intelligent golf talk in the house, Holly G. Celebrating our 10th anniversary here at the Golf Insiders. And tonight, a little bonus show. Thanks uh, to our fantastic week at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. And we'll be back at our regular time slot, hopefully, if we're not preempted again by softball, UCF softball. We'll be back Wednesday from 6 to 7, Wednesday 6 to 7. And uh, we hope some of you may be listening to us for the first time tonight. And we'll tune in next Wednesday. 
And we're going to bring in our final golf insider for the night. Uh, first time we've talked to him since we've come back for the uh, 10th anniversary season. Steve Eubanks from Global Golf Post. How are you, Steve? I am great, Holly. Good to talk to you. Thank you very much. Well, we just finished up a, a big win here at the Arnold Palmer on Sunday with Rory roaring back. Um, quite a quite a victory on Sunday. We're still in the glow here. Exciting to have him back on the in the winner's circle. Your thoughts? Best putting exhibition I've ever seen out of him, and one of the best I've seen all year from anyone. And i got to tell you, if Brad Faxon's phone is not ringing off the hook, it certainly should be because it, it was night and day. I've never seen a transformation of someone on the greens like I saw from Rory this past week. It was yeah. extraordinary. Nothing it, short of extraordinary. Yeah, it sure, sure was. Eight, eight under in 13 holes, and uh, it just looked like he could have put that thing in from anywhere. And as you know, many of us have said in the past, he's got one of the most complete games to be just you know an all-time uh, you know major champion. And it's it's great to see him just kind of loosen up and get back to you know just feeling the game. I think it's Johnny Milley that often you know kind of spanks these guys and says you know they just need to get out of their heads and just feel their swings more. Yeah, you know, and and the thing about Rory is he has always been tee to green one of the best perhaps it's ever been. But the putting was just he was average at best, and you know when he wasn't putting well, he was below average by tour standards. And it, it always looked forced. It never, it almost looked mechanical. It never looked like he was standing up there and feeling the ball going in the hole. And this past weekend, it looked like he just felt it going in. And, and you hope that that's a sign of good things to come because that has what's kept him, has been what's kept him from having a couple of green jackets by now. And it would be wonderful to see him complete the career Grand Slam. Yeah, it sure would. We're leading up to um, a fantastic. A Masters tournament, which I know is right around the corner from uh, from Hotlanta where you live. And let me uh, turn to the LPGA because I know that's your beat at Global Golf Post. NB Park uh, winning last week, the first tournament the LPGA has had back in the U.S. in 2018. And she is just remarkable. One of these players that seems to only get better when she takes these long stretches of time off. Ex- explain every, that. Every time she has done it in her second start after coming back, she's won. Isn't it amazing? I mean, and every time she's done it, we've assumed, well, maybe this is it for NB. Maybe she's retiring now. Because what else does she have to accomplish, really? So she comes back from, from the uh, thumb injury where she, she hasn't played very well. She's qualified for the Hall of Fame. And we're, we're like, okay, well, you know, NB's married. She's perhaps thinking about having a family. Maybe she'll, maybe she'll hang it up. She comes back and wins the gold medal in the Olympics. Then she has a back problem, really played poorly and was in a lot of pain at Trump, at, uh, Trump National Bedminster in the U.S. Women's Open last year. And we're thinking, well, maybe this is it for NB because, again, you've got a gold medal now. What else is there? And she comes back and wins in Singapore. Then she takes another extended period of time off, and she comes back and wins last week. It's just amazing. It sure is. And, and you know, these have been extended stretches. I mean, six, seven, eight months at, at a yeah. time. And, you know, the thing about NB is what usually when you lay off for those long periods of time, the first thing that goes is your short game. I mean, you, you know, your putting touch and, and your, your feel around with the wedges around the greens. I mean, everybody gets a little rust on them, and that's where it shows the, the first and the most. Not NB. She comes back, and it's the same old tremendous putter that it's always been. 
So it, it, it's, I mean, she's a freak of nature when you think of it in those terms. I mean, how she plays the game and to take those long periods of time off and then come out and beat the best in the world, it just shows what an incredible talent she is. Well, speaking of incredible talents who have been a little uh, a little off the radar, uh, Lydia Ko uh, playing today. The, the, the tour is out in Carlsbad, California, the beginning of, what, four out of five tournaments out in California? A, a new California swing for the LPGA. She posted a 68 today. It's, that's good to see for the defending champ. It is good to see, and I'm really excited to have her uh, playing well again. I mean, she every time Lydia posts a bad number, uh, there are predictions of doom and gloom, and there's all this, what's wrong with Lydia, and will she ever come back? And, uh, look, I mean, she she, tur- she turns 21 in April. So, I mean, this is if she were starting her career right now, it would still be people saying, wow, what a great youngster we have in this Lydia co-character. Um, the fact that, that she is now attempting to make really her second comeback at age 21, uh, that tells you a lot about the talent that we're, that we're dealing with with her. Absolutely. And nice to see Michelle Wee back in the winner's circle. You know, I, I, I wrote about Michelle, um, Holly, and, and I said something very interesting I, it, that, I, I, that, um, that, I, that I have people have told me it was very interesting. And that was, you know, the tour no longer needs Michelle. There was a period of time when they did. Um, but you know, there's a lot of talent out there now and a lot of really superstars that are drawing eyeballs. But it sure is great to have her back. I mean, it's not, it's not a need to have her back. It's a want to have her back. And now that we want her and to have her come back and play as well as she is, I mean, I think, I think she's being welcomed with open arms now, unlike any other time in her career. I, I agree, and, and maybe that's freeing her up a little bit, too, because there were a lot of expectations on her when she came out on tour, just like poor Lydia. I mean, we're sitting here saying that the woman's just turning 21. My goodness. Yeah, I mean, we think about, about Michelle, and you think, well, she ought to be 35 or something because she's been around since she was 13. Um, you know, this is still a woman in her 20s, and, and so we, we cannot uh, say, oh, gee, you know, what, what's up with Michelle? She's still a very young person to be playing a professional game uh and and i think you're right i think she is playing for herself now she's not playing for anyone else she's not playing for anyone's expectations Uh, and as a result of that she is falling back in love with golf well it's great to see and as i mentioned we're two weeks away from the masters hard to believe and um just curious your thoughts it's shaping up again to have Quite a number of storylines, as it always seems to, coming into the first major of the year. Uh, you know, between Rory winning, Phil Mickelson winning, uh, you know, of course, Jordan Spieth loving Augusta. Tiger, right now, being favored to win. Uh, we know how much he loves Augusta. And then you've got Bubba Watson's game coming into form. So much, you know, that's shaping up here. Just have 30 seconds, Steve, before we go. Yeah, it's impossible to tell who's going to win Augusta with so many players playing well. Um, Justin Thomas, I think, is somebody that you just have to watch. I mean, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that um, all of these other guys that he grew up with have all got uh, a couple of majors under their belts now, and I think he is someone who wants to elevate himself to the number one spot in the world and prove that he belongs in that in that conversation. I couldn't agree more. It is going to be one fantastic major to 
kick off the 2017-2018 season. Thank you, Steve Eubanks from Global Golf Post. And thanks to everyone for listening tonight. And please find us next Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m. Wednesday, 6 to 7 next week. The Golf Insiders, we love you. Bye-bye.